Well, welcome everyone to the first Turf Tuesday of 2022. I'm Jim Brosnan, your host for this session and excited to be back and continue uh, the Turf Tuesday initiative that we launched during COVID. And it's been really fun to see this grow and develop and, and really change um, over the years of, of doing it. And 2022 is going to be a year of growth for Turf Tuesdays. We have an entirely kind of new set of topics little bit of a new format. One of the things that we heard from you, the, the folks that have joined us, is that kind of gravitated a little bit more to a, a conversational podcast type style. Um, so that's what we're going to move to in 2022. Uh, you'll see the content on a number of different platforms. You know, those of you who are live with us today, obviously, are, are here and engaged. Uh, for those who have missed it, you know, we'll continue to post this on our YouTube channel. And now we're going to have a podcast feed on Apple Podcasts with just the audio uh, from all of our Turf Tuesday sessions. So definitely look out for those in, in the future. Before we get into kind of the, the meat of today's uh, session on lawn care, I want to uh, take care of some business really quickly. I know that pesticide credits are important to many of you uh, who are with us. All of the information needed for you to obtain your pesticide recertification credits for this session was captured at registration. So when you went through uh, your Zoom registration, it asked you what state you wanted pesticide credits in. It asked you to uh, put your license number in. That will automatically populate the roster that we need to send to your state Department of Ag in order for you to get your, your uh, pesticide credit for today's uh, webinar. The one caveat to that is that Zoom is, is, is uh, tracking how long you're with us and uh, the departments of agriculture require that we need to have you with us for the entirety of the hour. Uh, so please stay with us for the entirety of the hour to ensure that you uh, get the pesticide credit that you uh, so desire for all of the different states uh, for which our uh, credits are offered this year. If you have questions as we go through today's session, uh, I would encourage you to use the Q&A box in the bottom of your screen. Uh, that Q&A box is very helpful. It keeps uh, the questions organized. It also allows us to answer them in a threaded manner so it becomes easier for you to find the answer to a specific question. Uh, our group's gonna do our best to answer most of those questions aloud uh, during the time that we're together. But in the event where we miss one, uh, we'll have uh, folks from our side answering via text in uh, the Q&A box. Lastly, uh, last piece of business, uh, if you are watching this on our YouTube channel as a recorded session uh, or listening to this on Apple Podcasts, unfortunately, there are no pesticide credits or CEUs of any kind for archived uh, viewings. Uh, it's only for live content. So those of you who are with us live, uh, you're in luck. You will have your uh, pesticide credits uh, when we're complete today. I think that tidies up uh, all of the, the business end of this. I'd like to welcome in uh, several of my colleagues here. Um, we've got Ben Hamza from FMC Corporation. Joe Crum from True Green, uh, Dr. Horvath, who many of you know, uh, my colleague from the University of Tennessee, and then Tyler Carr, who's one of our graduate students here at UT. Uh, he's going to be helping us with uh, today's session as well. Gentlemen, welcome to 2022. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here with you. So as our title implies, you know, our, our topic today is, I think, first and foremost on the uh, many of folks mind this time of year you know brandon and i as golfers we we gravitate towards this being masters week but it doesn't uh take much driving around to uh see folks out working in their yard and this is when everybody wants to uh you know get the lawn in shape so that's where we'll go today and i know brandon and i have lots of questions for you given your experience in in lawn care over the years before we get into that why don't you, you uh each give a, a little bit of background about yourselves. Ben, you want to start? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Ben Hamza, and uh, I work for FMC Corporation. Uh, my job is uh, basically as a director for product development. So in that function, 
I lead all product development activities that include R&D, includes formulation, chemistry, technical services support, and also customer and, and, and client support. Um, I've been with FMC a little over two years, but where I spent uh, 24 years of my career, right out of grad school, I got my PhD at Michigan State University, go Spartans, um, was lawn care. And so Jim and I were in a meeting back in, back in the fall and he said, hey, how about uh, you know, joining us on, on Turf Tuesday? So I wanna take this opportunity to thank Jim for you know, the invitation as well as facilitation. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, going back to my, my true green career. So I spent uh, three years as a technician. So I'm someone that's out of grad school uh, was on a truck spraying lawns for a living. So I know that business quite well. And I did it, I've done it as a frontline employee, uh, got into management. And then uh, within a couple of years of management, an opportunity opened up for me to join the True Green R&D uh, organization in Columbus, Ohio. Um, spent two years there uh, when the R&D organization was divested. I was offered the opportunity to move back to Michigan and uh, be the region technical manager for the Michigan region where my role was to support branch locations, uh, similar to what my colleague Joe from uh, in, in that role. And then at some point, nine years after that, I was asked to lead the uh, technical teams for uh, True Green, which, which I've done until um, opportunity came to join FMC. So that's uh, briefly my, the span of my career and long care. So Ben, is the next great herbicide on the board behind you? That's the, uh, yeah, that's Weed Science 101. So uh, oftentimes here as a scientist, you know, we have colleagues and marketing, new colleagues come in, they ask about really lawn care agronomics. So I go, you know, to the basics, you know, annual life cycle of, of a weed, what's a weed, the diff, you know, and how, uh, knowing the weeds and its life cycle determines how you manage it, et cetera. So that's what you see. I was told not to erase this on the board because I have folks that when I'm not here, they would come in and reference, oh yeah, that's how that schematic on how a herbicide locks in to a specific site to deactivate an enzyme. Uh, and this, so it was kind of very exciting for for folks that are not technical, that are marketing or regulatory, so. Well, great. So it's gonna be there for a while. <laughs> well, great, We're, we found the, the FMC uh, secret sauce reference material on the board behind us. Uh, so. Speaking, speaking of True Green, let's, uh, let's go to Joe. All right, thanks, Brandon. Good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, I've been with True Green 11 years and what I do as region technical manager, uh, Ben used to hold that position as, as well, is, is make sure our, our branches are using the right products at the right time of year at the right rates to deliver you know, best results to customers, lawns and landscapes. Um, primary responsibility there, uh, certainly others. Grew up uh, getting started in the lawn care industry like so many of, of us on the call. Probably first job was mowing, mowing lawns and then uh, Worked for a mom and pop lawn garden business through my teens, went to Michigan State and uh, University of Georgia, studying turf grass management, worked on a lot of golf courses through the years. And then uh, in grad school, after grad school at UGA, I conducted research for Georgia. And after that came to True Green in 2010. Awesome. Tyler, you wanna give us a little introduction yeah, I'm a, Dr. Sorokin's PhD student. I, I'm focusing on zoysia grass establishment for putting greens, but I have a background in um, doing research for Kentucky bluegrass lawns, tall fescue lawns, water conservation. Um, and I have interest in, in reducing inputs in water, fertilizer, pesticides, um, things like that for, uh, for lawns, golf courses, and sports fields. And so Jim, you introduced yourself, so I'll just introduce myself really quickly. I'm Brandon Horvath, turf pathologist here at UT, and um, excited to be here helping co-host 
a uh, what what I think will be a informative discussion. Yeah, and let's let's kind of just jump into the. <clears throat> My desk um, this spring has been kind of an odd phenomenon on tall fescue lawns where we almost had uh, what's akin to tiger striping um, on Bermuda grass in the fall. You know, in Bermuda grass in the fall, we see our first frost. Uh, you can get these weird patterns of uh, interspersed uh, dormant or, or brown turf from that cold, that sudden cold temperature freeze uh, amongst green. It gives kind of that tiger striped approach. Um, We've seen that, you know, here throughout Knoxville uh, on tall fescue lawns after our recent spring freeze. Joe, have you uh, gotten calls from customers about that this spring? Oh, absolutely. Our branches have and service managers have uh, brought it to my attention. And when I first got a pic the first picture and the first phone call about it from uh, one of our service managers in Knoxville, uh, you know, the first, first question was, wow, that kind of looks like, you know, somebody sprayed uh, non-selective herbicide on it. And, and it looked uh, similar to that. So then I, I further discussions about, you know, what was applied and, and uh, then looking at weather, we some recent weather trends. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, reached out to Dr. Horvath to Brandon and, uh, and Brandon helped point me in the right direction, right? and us in the right direction to identify really the, the cause of it was not uh, pathogen related. It was really um, dictated by the recent weather trends. I mean, we had temperatures in the 70s for several days in Knoxville, followed by the, the weekend of the 12th, 13th of March, uh, lows got down into the teens, uh, 20s and teens for multiple nights and uh, cold and, and frost injury was really the 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 root cause of the, the issue. I have a picture to share here. And, you know, this is what we're talking about, the, the weather data on the right, you know, looking at the, you know, highs in the 76, 77, 78, 79 on the third through sixth respectively. And then, and then the uh, well below freezing temps along with six and a half inches of snow that was reported at the, uh, at the Knoxville airport. So currently, and, and after, after this occurred, you know, especially with lawns that were recently fertilized, a lot of succulent growth, and we had the, the freeze and the, and the frost events. Uh, but, but currently the turf is recovering with mowing and uh, just a little help from, from mother nature with pushing more growth. Um, really the, the lawns are recovering. And I know this wasn't, was not uh, isolated to just uh, Knoxville, I, I saw reports from Western North Carolina and, and other areas too. But, um, but yeah, thank you, Brandon, for helping us out there and appreciate it. Well, it, you know, and, and, and uh, it, it's funny because Tyler was, was uh, the person that first texted me with a picture of one of our uh, lawns here on campus in our gardens where uh, there was uh, significant damage similar to what you have in the picture there that, um, you know, at first it was on overseeded ryegrass. And I've seen on baseball fields and things like that, especially under covers, uh, we can get some, some rhizoctonia activity in the spring. And so uh, we started talking about that a little bit and kind of going down that road. But then the more we looked at it and, and that was, you know, and it also illustrates how difficult it is to diagnose something from a picture, right? Uh, because at first, all I had to go on was what I saw in, in the picture. Um, and then a few days after that, I was able to be, I was actually here on campus, went over to the, the, the lawn, looked at the turf, and that's where I started kind of kind of thinking, wait a second, something isn't quite right because you couldn't find any dis, you know, distinct lesions on the turf. You just saw kind of a browning from the tip down to the base of the plant, but there wasn't anything distinct that kind of hinted at a specific disease kind of causing damage. And then as widespread as it was, it was hard to believe that it, that it would be something that widespread 
being caused by a biological agent outside of something like pythium or, or something like that that's known to move very rapidly. Uh, and so it was really hard to kind of wrap your head around it being anything biological. And that's where really started kind of going down the road of, you know, essentially it was, it was some direct cold temperature, you know, frost and, and cold damage. Uh, in fact, one of the things that was interesting and Tyler, you might speak to this was there were a couple of spots on that lawn that actually looked like there were footprints uh, going from one place to another where somebody might've walked across the snow uh, and, and, and trudged it down and brought that, that, uh, that snow, you know, compressed it into more ice and then right on that succulent tissue, really causing some significant, uh, injury. Yeah, definitely. There were, there were tracks that looked like somebody had walked out and kind of made a loop around. Um, yeah, and it, it was just, it was super interesting to see that we, we saw it in that isolated location. And then the next day I was walking around my neighborhood and yeah. saw it everywhere. I drove out towards the airport and you guys that have been to that airport know how much grass is, is right there kind of on the bank and it right. was covered with this. And I was like, there's no way this is, this is a disease. Yeah. No way. Something about it. Yeah. Same here. You know, I, I walked out of my, my house to, to walk the dog with my wife and, you know, right across the street from us, the neighbors have a tall fescue lawn and I felt bad for them. Like you said, Brandon, it looked like footprints. And I assumed, oh, they sprayed Roundup in their beds and tracked Roundup onto their tall fescue lawn on their shoes. And then you got a little bit further into the walk and it was on their yard and then the yard next to them and the yard next to them. And like very clearly it wasn't a, a herbicide situation, but something uh, a little bit more widespread biologically. Uh, an abnormality for East Tennessee, for sure. Ben, you know, kind of segueing out to more of a national perspective, you know, this has kind of been the most immediate hot button topic locally here at a national level. You know, what, what sort of hot topics are going on right now at, at that scale that you can see from high up in the tower? From high up in, in the tower, I would, I would say, um, the changes in environmental conditions can happen without notice. And I think the expectation is that uh, from a customer standpoint, so I'm gonna try to bring us back to ultimately the lawn care customer, they don't know this. And this is where I think for the LCOs or lawn care operators, specialists, technicians, what have you, communicating proactively. Because, you know, think about this, that image that, that uh, you know, Joe shared, if it was, you know, three or four months uh, removed, it would be associated with an application that an applicator, it would not be thought of as a environmental impact from, you know, low temperature, uh, you know, from freezing temperatures. So, so from, from a national, you know, you know, perspective, um, having an understanding of how the environmental conditions impact impact turf grass growth is sorry guys how how environmental you know conditions impact turf grass health and growth is is important always be be aware and always try to you know reach out to your customer proactively find tools find fact sheets university fact sheets extension bulletins to communicate to show them uh, so they are educated. And the more you talk about it, the more you educate, the more you get, you know, you get ahead of what those impacts can do to the customer lawn and really to your business, because sometimes they don't believe you and they walk away. Well, and, you know, as we move forward now, you know, one of the questions I had going in today for both of you is, you know, coming through COVID now that had to have affected the lawn care industry. And, you know, from where you sit today, you know, how do you think the lawn care industry from that customer expectation piece may be different today than it was in 2019? And I realize that's a tricky question to answer that's probably pretty multifaceted, but. I think it's a great question, Jim. Uh, here's why, and I'll let Joe weigh in. Um, during COVID and during the shutdown, a lot of people were home. We have seen this in our business on the consumer side. 
that the business was great because people are not spending money. I'm not going to restaurants. I'm not traveling. I'm not doing anything. So there's a lot of lot of disposable income that didn't go where it normally goes. So a lot of homeowners, because they're home, they spend more time going to Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards. If you have Menards in your, you know, neck of the woods, etc., et buying lawn care products and babying and taking care of their their lawns, you know, themselves. So they saw what they what they can do on on their own. Um, the expectation is heightened. That's one, Jim. The other one is because of the pressure and the inflation uh, that we're seeing. Now it, it became that expectation is even higher because they're saying I used to put up with a few patches of crabgrass in the summer. You know, I call you, you get, you know, you come back. Um, I can't because if you're not going to give me good service, I'm just going to save that $60 application or, or, or whatever. So, so the expectation is heightened on both fronts, meaning they saw what they can do themselves if they kept the service because they didn't have time and they want some the, the professional you know, to do it, that expectations actually has, has increased. Joe, what are your what are your thoughts on that? I mean, have you seen that with within your work in the the Tennessee kind of contingent of True Green? Yes, definitely. I would agree with with Ben with homeowners spending more time at home, you know, working maybe even out sitting in their in their lawn uh, on their laptop working, looking down and see a, a newly emerging uh, weed, and and uh, you know they wouldn't have seen that before COVID and and so expectations have increased and and uh, certainly our uh, uh, you know as, a, as an industry as a whole I, I, I think most most if not all all LSTOs would would agree uh, and service managers our service managers in our company can attest to that our technicians everybody um, so you know and the cameras are uh, almost everybody has a, a camera now so um, you know that that uh, is an additional you know, factor that wasn't really around uh, much before COVID, but uh, but yeah, COVID has increased expectations. So um, delivering superior services is, uh, you know, has never been more important. So Joe, you, can, you, can, can you speak to like, what, like, what are the metrics? And this is just my curiosity more than anything. Like, what are the metrics that you guys use that help you determine kind of like what is the expectation level of the clientele? Is it is it requests for for return trips for an issue, or what are the what are the big metrics that you guys kind of keep track of to kind of know where expectation levels are heading, and then try to meet them before they become an issue? Well, the one at the top of the at the top of mind, uh, typically every day for me is uh, callbacks, uh, the percent of, of callbacks we have or reservices, and comparing that to prior year. And are we above or below prior year uh, for a particular location and then seeing you know what the root cause cause may be that we are leading to that either improvement or or um, increase in, in callbacks So callbacks certainly uh, also, uh, you know, customers take surveys, uh, like, like with a lot of services, and uh, net promoter score is a metric that is also um, assessed and, and that we use to measure customer satisfaction. Gotcha. And then, and then is there, um, can you, could you also speak a little bit to, like, one of the things that I think is interesting is, like, in a lot of industries, especially as we've, you know, kind of progressed over the last five to seven, eight, 10 years, there's a focus on more and more kind of custom level interaction with the customer. So rather than everybody just gets a one size fits all kind of solution, there's a custom solution for you and you and you. Like what? where is that at in the lawn care industry? I mean, we've seen competitors come into the market that are boasting the ability to you know, provide you with a custom solution for your specific location. But um, I think that's still a bit of a challenge, but I'm, I'm curious what, what your guys' thoughts are on that. Joe, you wanna, wanna take that one and I'll comment from a, from a national perspective? What? Sure, one, one aspect that comes to mind is, is making sure our, our associates are equipped with 
the products to to handle uh, customized you know or, or issues that may re occur in one lawn but not another maybe it's a uh, you know later on in the season maybe it's brown patch and tall fescue uh, certainly not every every lawn is going to be affected by that but in cases and areas of the lawn where that may be an issue well we can provide the necessary solution with a, a product application uh, hard to control weeds uh, you know we have uh, multiple uh, you know jugs of, of pre-mixed material uh, that are, um, you know, designated labeled for either warm season turf, cool season turf, specific grass types to target, uh, you know, perhaps crabgrass in the summer or nut sedge or, uh, or any or other hard to control weeds that come across. So those are a couple of examples that, that come to mind. Yeah. Uh Brandon, the other thing with, with customization uh, is, is so critical in, in a lot of organization, not just for when you talk about customization, but when it comes to executing on it, sometimes it can be very, very challenging. Because when you, when you drive growth of your business through getting more and more customers, trying to maximize the number of customers in a you know, geographic uh, area, the, uh, a, some level of standardization of what the service should look like needs to happen in order for, for the operator to execute and, and deliver. There's also the component of equipment. You know, the trucks, the truck size, number of tanks. Joe talked about the mixtures, granular versus liquid. We have customers wanting quick green up. We have customers don't care about the green up, but they are more uh, picky when it comes to any kind of weed presence whether it's even weeds that the operator cannot control, i.e. controlling, let's say, Bermuda grass in fescue, removing it. That expectation is, is such that you really can't customize for, for that. So I would say the standardization is needed. Some level of customization, um, some operators do that. And I think some organizations have gone to the point where they introduce technology. So case in point, an app, that would show the homeowner when the service is done, that they can track the truck, a lot of these type of things to kind of engage the customer and keeping them knowing that they're investing in, in, in their property. And there's also the, the lawn care of, of, of tomorrow. You hear about uh, Sunday or get Sunday, you know, et cetera, you know, lawn care in the box. So there's a lot of pressures where an LCO with a, with, number of employees, trucks, a route, et cetera, they can only customize so much before they're not really profitable or they can't deliver. Sure. Well, you have to imagine too that the supply chain issues that have affected, you know, really everything, that's a variable in this discussion too. I mean, if you're going to come up with a customized program for a specific property that's going to have different components, whether that's agrochemical, uh, protectants for diseases or, or, or weeds or, or different fertilizers or whatnot, you know, that, that it's going to be hard, a harder thing to accomplish when your basic materials are just harder to source and, and get where you need them. I mean, can you comment, Ben, on some of the supply chain issues you've seen at FMC so far? Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to, Jim. Uh, we're seeing uh, supply chain is, is uh, you hear it on, on the news, you see it, and I have colleagues and other ag manufacturers, you know, um, that share the same thing. So what I'm sharing here is across the industry, not specific to FMC only. So we saw three areas that the pandemic has impacted. And those three areas are freight costs, labor costs, and then raw material costs. And that's not even really including the, um, you know, the inflation pressures, the oil prices going up from the recent conflict out in uh, Ukraine. So those pressures um, impact the, the LCOs directly and indirectly. So for example, there's a, an early order, you know, program where lawn care distributors, right, lawn care product distributors stock up for the following year, Q1, Q2, Q3. And so 
what the pandemic did because of the closures in, in a lot of manufacturing sites throughout the globe in the US, Canada, Europe, China, um, you know, et cetera, then you can have raw materials. You can have the intermediates. But the supply chain was impacted because the production of caps was not keeping up with the demand. The other thing that we learned through focus groups, when we talked about people staying at home for 18 months and they're locked in, Amazon orders went through the roof. So demand for boxes, you know, went up and it became more profitable for some freight companies to, to ship boxes than to ship caps or then to ship spreader parts or our, you know, for, for the long in, care industry, any material that you use, you know, spray guns, spreaders, spare parts, tanks, all of those were impacted either directly or indirectly. And the main culprit is anything that goes on a, on a freight in the ocean, usually the, the demand and the plan used to be like three, uh, you know, one to three months. Then they're saying we need three to six month uh, leeway. Now it's six to 12 months plus in order to, to be so. And, so, and then the, the uh, research, or at least the indication is this may last another 24 months, assuming things level out before we get to normal supply chain and, and demand where it's predictable. So, wow. And then one, one of the things that I would like to say for pesticide manufacturers is you can have the raw material like active ingredients, but the active ingredients, technical grade, you need other intermediates to come up to a formulation that's gonna end up in, in, in a jug. Well, if you're missing one or two key intermediates because of that, that issue, uh, you cannot have product X, Y, Z, and you say, well, we have it. But if you're missing the, the, uh, the, you know, the intermediates, if you're missing the jug to put it in, if you're missing the cap, so. It, it's funny that you say that, Ben, because uh, I was out at uh, Ping uh, World Headquarters um, in December, and we were talking about the supply chain disruptions, and they, they've experienced, you know, golf manufacturers are experiencing the same kinds of, you know, issues that you guys are, and, and, and it was the same kind of thing. He was talking about how, you know, they might, somebody might order a set of irons, you know, four through pitching wedge. Uh, they've got everything but the uh, five iron head. So you can't, you can't ship the set. You, yeah. you, can, you can build the entire set. You've got the shaft and grip to go in the five iron, but you don't have the five iron head. So you can't build the set. So now that person has to sit and wait, even though everything else is there. Or like you said, like they, a, a grip. They were, they had, you know, a low supply of grips. Well, you could build the whole set, but you can't put a grip on it. And so now you can't ship it. And, and, uh, and so it, it's interesting that you say that, cause that's a great point that you, you, you might have all the technical active ingredient that you want it by the truckload. And yet you can't do anything because you don't have the cap or the, even the foil seal that goes on the, on the, on the, the the jug right and, the, and so now you're you're totally you know behind the eight ball because it's a piece of foil that goes on the you know to seal up the jug for shipping yeah you're absolutely right one one more comment is relative to that i talked about freight any anything that goes on a, on a ship to to for for shipping ag manufacturers i mean spend literally millions i'm not going to tell you how much it impacted fmc but it's in the millions where air freight. So here's the case to your point, Brandon, where, okay, we can ship it out of Rome in, in Denmark and the plane, Delta, whatever it is, freight planes are, are ready. But if you're missing the cap, you can't ship anything. Right? right. And then the other piece that I mentioned is the labor. Folks that were, you know, decided that it's time to, to take a break from work, you probably heard the term um, uh, pandemic retirement or what, what was the word? <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of them. And the, the other one was uh, like uh, uh, something sabbatical, like a COVID sabbatical or, or whatever, yeah. where they basically just voluntarily decided to get out of the workforce. 
So what you have is a 24 uh, hour line for manufacturing. When you're down by an eight hour shift, you can't staff that shift. Um, and then yep. all, all of a sudden you can't find it, but also you gotta have to, to, to spend more to bring people. They don't right. have the expertise. So it's, it's really uh, a challenge, but we're, we're seeing- So they're not, having you, they're not having you go down to the line though, right? Unfortunately, they they uh, they didn't like my work. <laughs> so, because that was one of the things that the guys at Ping were telling us that that everybody in the company were being asked to contribute uh, two weekends a month to help them catch up. So they're working on the line. Like you could have a vice president working on the line two weekends a month for an eight-hour shift making golf clubs. Yeah. Wow. And 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 that sounds cool and all, but then on the flip side of it, you you, you go back to that you know, there's also a QC issue there, right? A quality control issue where if there's somebody that's doing that job all the time and knows what they're doing versus somebody that's coming in a couple of weekends trying to put stuff together, that's that's another piece of the puzzle that's that's going to be there that you have to meet. Yep. Joe, how has the supply chain uh, issues hit you guys? Well, you know, going back to the, you know, the, the movement of some some uh, employees away from away from the workforce. Uh, Dr. Kaufman, who I think we all know on the on the call, uh, John from uh, U, oh, UT alum, um, he he reminded me it is the Great Resignation. I think is that what the what Great it, Resignation? Uh, yes. So that's the word. But uh, yeah, so yeah, with with supply chain uh, directly affecting uh, our operations, I think just you know. Uh, what we're dealing with uh, currently uh, with with fertilizer and fertilizer uh, suppliers uh, waiting on um, waiting on raw materials to formulate our our analyses and and then maybe it's not a delay in 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 formulation or anything uh, within their control. It's it's the you know lack of drivers for for tank for tanking companies for trucking companies. Uh, so those variables are are affecting us. So uh, you know, with fertilizer, with you know, going back to how Ben was talking about increased lead times, uh, early orders, uh, staying in close contact with our our suppliers, and uh, you know all those uh, factors have come come into the mix, especially uh, recently with supply chain. Uh, challenges and uh, and then having plan B and even plan C options for you know if we don't if we're not receiving uh, product A on time well what else do we have in an in inventory that we can utilize and and perhaps it's combining active ingredients of of products you know so those those are all options that we've looked at and in some cases have had to uh, move toward. I think so, this also illustrates a challenge with um, with how we, you know, we've moved into this world of just in time delivery and all of that kind of stuff to to decrease our cost. And, you know, in a situation like this, the the end result of that is is an increase in cost because you're you're you're, you know, to Ben's point about, you know, you know, truckers are deciding, well, we're going to ship this versus that. Um, you know, we're going to make more money off of uh, Amazon deliveries than we are off of shipping caps so that this company can put caps on their bottles. And, and all of a sudden, you, you, you run into an issue where, you know, maybe cost has to go up because you have to find a different supplier or whatever the case may be. And you run into this issue. And, and I know we had a question and we, I think we've answered most of it. But one of the questions was like, you know, what, what changes do you foresee in the industry due to to the increase in cost of goods and how is that going to be combated by the, the various folks in the industry? So uh, Joe, what do you, what do you, what are you seeing in terms of the increased cost of goods to, to the company? And then what are you having to do to adjust for that or address that? Well, yeah, Brandon, I mean, the price is, is up on everything just in the grocery store yesterday. Uh, you know, <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it, it's it's affecting everybody, and, and uh, you know, in term, you know, directly with with uh, our operations, with uh, fertilizer cost increases, uh, certainly um, gas 
uh, prices up significantly. So uh, those are all uh, those are all impacting all of us, and uh, and so we have to budget for that. We have to revise, uh, you know, budgets and expectations, and and um, and look for other opportunities to to uh, to offset those increased expenses. Ben, yeah, um, I would I would foresee that those pressures will will continue, but once they they level uh, level off. It's going to lead to more competition, and and that's good for the uh, lawn care operators. But one one of the things that that's uh, really critical, what the industry has learned, is that that just in time that 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 you mentioned, is is not a workable solution in a when when you have supply chain challenges or where you have you know pandemics, because the cost of money. To carry over inventory on on the balance sheet was not tenable. So the idea is reduce inventory to have just in time, so it comes in, it goes out, and you're not paying for for, for inventory. That calculus is is changing, um, and 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 I believe competition is always good. Uh, ultimately, when when you're competing on for raw materials, for intermediates, for labor. Um, it's just the market that's going to eventually uh, create where you know the industry is going to go from one uh, from essentially more companies coming in into play. You'll see more and more consolidation in in the space, and I think we we have seen some of that, some of those consolidations over the last decade. Um, so that is how companies cope. Sure. Uh, from 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 those pressures. Yeah, and I, I think I think we'll definitely see that with you know, especially in the the lawn care market, uh, you know, on the ground kind of thing is you know companies that are you know like yours, Joe, that are are larger and able to handle some financial uncertainty and and you have plans in place to manage you know forecasts and things like that. You're going to be in a better position to compete than somebody that's just kind of you know, having to look at what what's happening on a daily basis as they get ready to fill their truck up and drive down the road to handle, you know, 150 accounts or something, that's going to be a, a much different. And we're going to see a lot of those folks go away because they won't be able to to handle the the increased costs uh, in any kind of way that allows them to compete. Right. Well, and, and then too, you, you I mean, you talked about increased lead times, right. For to, to you know, get at the supply chain issue you know joe is that something that that true green has had to take on right now where you know what what was typical in terms of you know forecasting out what you were going to need whether it was going into a spring season for product or whatnot and then maybe what does it look like now like are you making forecasts for spring 2023 right now just from a sourcing standpoint i believe our our sourcing department is for 2023 uh yeah it, it's it's really uh, impacted us significantly the it, for example uh, i got an email uh yesterday from sourcing hey uh you know plan and and get in orders for grass seed um so uh, for the fall and uh yeah. that's really earlier than i can remember uh, getting any orders in so but yeah, even you know, fertilizer in some cases, our uh, suppliers uh, who do a great job of, of you know, letting us know if if we do need to plan um, for longer lead times. Yeah, sometimes in some examples, there have been examples of of increased lead times for even fertilizer orders. Um, granular uh, fertilizer plus pre-emergent combination products. Uh, we put in the majority of our orders well ahead of time, um, and that. So those were all based on uh, communications from our suppliers, from sourcing department and, and uh, working together with them. And we've got a question here that kind of relates to that. Do, do you foresee, but this is to both of you, Joe and Ben, do you foresee that maybe the industry shifts more towards controlled release fertilizer or to liquid fertilizer uh, or lower input rates as these challenges with fertilizer sourcing continue? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go, uh, show if that's okay with you. So the answer is Jim, absolutely. Yes. 
So one of the things with the advancement in the fertilizer technology, and I'm very familiar with it, with, with, with the technology, is such that lawn care operators have now products that release nitrogen over 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, 180 days. So think about this. If they have customers that are prepaid or have paid for, for, for the year, you could afford to go out at a, at a specific rate of a combination of, you know, blend of fertilizer that gives you that, you know, you know, nutrition throughout the year, right? For cool season or warm season, depending upon how you would apply it. Um, the downside to that is you're putting out upfront. So if the customer leaves and requests their money back, you're out of that. So this is really kind of kind of critical. But what it does, here's what it does. What it does is it frees frees up your labor to spend the rest of the year, the, the season, if you will, growing season, managing weeds and insects. That's it. The idea for every stop, you have to pull a spreader or you have to pull the hose and, and spray that uh, half a pound, three quarters of a pound AI, you know, nitrogen. Uh, your fertility is done. And then you focus on what's important to the customer, which is weed control, which is a great advantage. And then let nature, you know, feed the turf through, you know, these are obviously uh, advanced technologies. But if I were, and I'll, I'm, I'm being recorded. If I were to have my own company, that's the model that I would take. Because you spread, you, you do your round one or round two fertility, put the spreaders away, then you focus on, on, on weed control. You can be more efficient. The employees like it when they don't have to push that spreader and that thick St. Augustine or, or tall fescue lawns in Knoxville in the middle of the summer. It's not fun. So. And I've got a quick question. This is Tom Samples. And boy, I'm, hey, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying this discussion. Um, I'm wondering, how much flexibility there is at the grassroots level when you're talking about corporate and then you just said, well, if I, you know, if I was, if I had the company, uh, are, what do you think is going to change as a result of these supply, some of these supply chain issues and how do you think there'll be more flexibility built in at where the rubber meets the road level? There should be, I think for private owners, they have, they can create, create that flexibilities themselves. But what I see the challenge, Tom, is the consumer. The consumer, the industry has taught the consumer that you come out five or six times a year, seven right. times a year, and this is what you do every time. If you show up and you fertilize once, they don't see that spreader. Yeah. In round yeah. two, round three, round four, they'll say, am I paying like 60 bucks for just pulling a backpack and walking around and taken off. Mm -hmm. So there should be, Tom, some consumer education to reset the, uh, you know, the expectation on the lawn care of the future with uh, advanced technologies. And the other thing is, you know, as a scientist, I truly believe in nitrogen use efficiency. Because think about some of those all mineral type applications at three quarters of a pound, how much of that nitrogen is actually utilized by the, mm -hmm. the you know, by the turf pass. So I, I see it both from efficiency and also nitrogen use efficiency and really doing the right thing for, for the environment as well. Jill, so what are you seeing on the ground in terms of those kinds of thoughts? Well, one of the projects that, uh, that my colleagues and I were asked to, to uh, take on last fall was, was really a, a, what was called a program of the future, where, where we're headed with with uh, optimizing our agronomic programs as we look ahead. And, and one of the primary components of, of that program of the future was utilizing more extended release, release fertilizers. Uh, we've uh, conducted uh, some, some trials internally looking at uh, extended release fertilizer products. And in my, the, in my region, the region that I support specifically Currently, we haven't uh, transitioned um, to a large scale toward that, but uh, that's certainly being considered for the future. 
Yeah, it, se it seems to me that there's an education piece on both sides of the, the equation that has mm -hmm. to take place, right? Like, because that was one of the questions I was going to ask uh, both of you as well is, so, you know, on the customer education side, like that, that conversation has to take place that, you know, that they, they should be able to see the results that are happening and, and know that, okay, we did something that's resulted in this, but you have to explain what that something was that you did, yeah. right? Because like, we all have the stories of one of our friends or ourselves where we did something that we know how to do because of our expertise in the industry to our lawn or to our friend's lawn or whatever. And then all of their neighbors are like, what did you do? Because they can tell something's different, but they don't know what it is. <laughs> and then there's also the, the other side of the, the, the coin where we have to educate the, the technician and the, the operator um, about what, what it is that they need to be on the lookout for if we're going to deliver a more, you know, whatever you want to call it, a futuristic or customized or, or, mm -hmm. or you know, uh, targeted approach, they're going to need the education on their end to be able to, to know what they're looking at. Because we also all have those stories too of where the, the guy comes to the door and it's like, oh, really? You want to tell me about my yard? Yeah, let's go out and take a little walk. We'll see what you know. And, 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 and so I think that's another piece of the puzzle that needs to be addressed is the, you know, making sure that the, the technicians have the education they need to be able to, you know, represent our industry accurately to the clientele, right? Yeah. Brandon, here's another thought. So national landscape companies. So these are uh, not, you know, trimming. So landscape companies, they do the mowing, the trimming mm -hmm. national. There are some companies that are, bigger in size than, you know, Truing. They've moved to that model already. And it's a testament, not only to the fertilizer technology, but also to the labor pressures. So that that, mm -hmm. that labor that they have is um, saved for mowing, edging, pruning, doing the flower, you know, change outs. The detail work. Mm -hmm. The detail work. So they get their fertility, their pre-immersion, you know, single app fertility pre-immersion. And, and so this is really a true testament to that technology has viability in, in not only the commercial landscape space, but also in the LCO space um, as well. Joe talked about that experiment. I conducted that experiment when I was with uh, uh, True Green. Two years in a row, I did the applications myself on my own lawn and my neighbor is a, you know, True Green customer. And uh, the, the branch location, the managers know, you know, weed control only. Um, and at the end of the day, I had like side by side, I come out of the, my house every day. The lawn quality did not change between the two. You can't tell which one got six application of fertilizer in Michigan versus one that got one in the spring, one in the fall. So um, I think to, to Tom's point, it's just a matter of, folks making decisions and, and planning, you know, accordingly and educating. Well, and I think one of the things that's kind of been implied, but not stated today, maybe is that the rounds nature of the business isn't going to go away, right? It's, it's still going to be structured that uh, mm -hmm. the individual that comes to your property is going to be there on a set cycle. It's just that fertilizer technology may allow them to do some different things on that set cycle uh, than mm -hmm. what they've done in the past. And, and, you know, one of the things I think for those that are listening that might not be with a larger scale company like a True Green, that is a takeaway from today is that communicating what you're doing when you're there on the property to the homeowner is, is of the utmost importance now when you have expectations that are higher, uh, not only from the homeowner that may have been home for a while and just is looking at their lawn more, but also now the you know, where they're spending their money is maybe a little bit more critiqued than it has been in the past due to the cost of goods and services. Anything that you can do to communicate to that person why you were there and what you did is going to help. I mean, I think the the days of putting the yellow or white placard on the post in the yard to say that you were there and then driving off are probably over. Mm -hmm. Sure. Any uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up? We've got five minutes left in our, our time Joe, together. 
Joe, did you have any comment about the the education piece on the on the technician or operator side? Well, yeah, and and when it comes to 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 labor and and the, uh, keeping keeping our current workforce and reducing the turnover is 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 critical, and and some of that goes back to training and and stepping up our our training program, and so there are uh, there are areas of the of True Green where we're looking at increasing the length of time where our associates are working with a, an experienced uh, technician before they're asked to service customers out on their own, uh, leveraging technology through, uh, through uh, applications perhaps, uh, phone applications to help ID weeds, uh, you know, uh, University of Tennessee, I know you, you have a, the, the UT uh, turf, turf um mobile weed manual yeah mobile weed yeah. manual yeah. Well, thank, yeah. thank you and uh so so that's that's one example uh, and uh and yeah just you know that's uh, utilizing technology to help help uh, with training and then therefore to the end result helping with communication with customers yeah, I know that's something that we're we're kind of keenly focused on in our program in terms of moving forward is, you know, the the pandemic and the move to online instruction certainly illustrated that we can we can do it. Um, and then as we move back to a more normal footing in terms of, you know, on campus, what, how we're delivering education to our students, we're also focused on uh, from the extension perspective, as well as uh, um, you know, a broader approach to kind of extending our knowledge out to our clientele. We want to we want to engage with, you know, uh, both on the operations side, but also uh, more general knowledge uh, via distance learning methods, whether it's on Zoom like this or it's using some of our learning management software to develop. Uh, you know, one of the things we're looking at is developing certificate programs to provide a credential that's you know verified by an institution like ours that says you know you've gone and you know learned this uh information at a level that's that illustrates some competency and now you have a credential that you can use to demonstrate that to a customer say you know hey i went through this certificate training program so i have a you know maybe a, a background in what i'm doing but i've also gotten some additional education to kind of help bolster uh, my expertise. And I think that's gonna be a critical piece moving forward as well. Well, the, and the driving force behind that from the jump has been lawn care. I mean, that was our kind of yeah. first request was from lawn care operators in the state through extension to develop something for the individuals working in that industry in Tennessee. So we'll, we'll uh, that's gonna be our, our jumping off point. Let me, before I forget, let me share my screen. For those of you who are with us that are looking for uh, credits from the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, this is your code for Golf Course Superintendents Association credits only. This has nothing to do with pesticide. Uh, there's been some confusion about that in, in previous episodes. This is only for golf course superintendents that want uh, credentials from the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. You want to make sure that you log this event approval code that you see here, 999-241-4631958, and make sure that you list today as the event date. If you are watching this in an archived manner, uh, today is April 5th, 2022, so log that as your event date for Golf Course Superintendents credits. Uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube, listening to this on Apple Podcasts, or somewhere else. And Jim, there was a question about um, a field day this fall. Do you want to talk a little bit about what our plans are for, for 2022 as far as uh, those kinds of things? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, and I know Brandon, you and, and Tom can attest to this, that you know, COVID has been a growth opportunity for the program in that it's allowed us to take our information about turfgrass management and deliver it in kind of new and innovative ways. And this is one of those, right? That this has become our uh, mechanism to connect with the industry, to deliver pesticide recertification opportunities. 
And that's kind of opened the door for different in-person education events now that we can do those things again. And we're working on one right now for uh, a, a certain segment of the industry, uh, mainly in the uh, service component, uh, whether that's on the distributor service side or, or the sales service side to provide uh, some education to individuals that may either be newly hired uh, into those areas of our industry or have worked in those segments for a long time and, and, and haven't really had uh, educational events specific to them. You know, you think about traditional field days, if you're a distributor or a sales rep and you're at a traditional university field day, you have customer commitments that are gonna come first and foremost beyond the education. And, you know, our hope is to uh, develop something uh, to kind of bridge that gap and actually uh, uh, provide tailored uh, education uh, for you. So you'll, there'll be more coming about coming out about that uh, event later on this year. It's going to be under a banner called Tennessee Crash Course. But that's, and, I, uh, and, I, and I just say, you know, to those, you know, if, if you're interested in learning more about what we're doing on, you know, on our research plots or whatever, there's always opportunities to reach out to us and contact us. We host, you know, visitors from one to small groups of people all the time. And where, where we can do it, we, we're happy to have you come out and see what we have going on and spend some time, you know, looking at things. So um, anytime that there's an opportunity for you to be in the area that you'd like to learn more, or see more, you know, if you reach out to one of us and, and make contact, then we can, we can, you know, hopefully arrange something uh, to, to do that. Cause it's, it's, we love being able to showcase what it is we're doing, and 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 if there's a, a desire to to do that, we're we're happy to to be able to accommodate you um, for those opportunities. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, here, here, whole wholeheartedly. I think uh, I think let's leave it there for now. It's twelve thirty-two. Let everybody get off to their their lunch hour. But thank you for listening, and we will see uh, everybody next month for the.